Hi, I'm Sean L. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Brandon Rogers is a YouTube star with 4 million subscribers and one Streamy Award to his credit. He has starred in two web series, Salmon Stuff for Facebook Watch and Magic Funhouse for Full Screen. Brandon was a new face at Montreal's Just for Last Festival in 2017, and he stopped by my studio while he's on his first live comedy tour this spring. So let's get to it! LA, it's uh, yeah. I don't know if just everyone's stoned out there or what, but it's quite not as social. Mm. <laughs> but although although people on both coasts are primarily looking out for themselves, I think in show business. Oh, definitely. it is show business. It is show business, and I I don't know what what the differing factor is with the weather or what it is, but uh, there's an attitude difference. In, in but we all have our minds on the same priority, I suppose. We're not allowed to lollygag here in New York. Yeah, we lollygag quite a bit. Yeah, in LA. <laughs> Uh, it's very, uh, New York is, I, I, I associate New York with pea coats and fitted jeans and mm. LA I associate with sweatpants and, uh, no top. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of, uh, which reminds me, Brandon Rogers, congratulations on your streaming award for costume design. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> Speaking that's, of what wardrobe. A, what an, uh, no, uh, it's, it's great because the streamies themselves are, because every year they become a little bit more and more prestigious. And so I have a feeling that this, my award will be much more valuable in a few years, but uh. Uh, it is for costume design, and right. uh, it's it's like if you go in to be a chef, and it's like he had the be- he got an award for best spoon handling. It's like, <laughs> well, it's an award, and I'm very very great. And actually, that costume I made by hand, and I usually never make costumes by hand. I usually go on Amazon or something. So. To get recognized for a costume, I, I was literally, before we went into the series, on my hands and knees the night before cutting and gluing. And so it, the streamy is all, it makes it all worth it. So, yeah. and, and you're in town. Uh, the Shorty Awards yeah, are happening. Yeah, it's the Shorty Awards. And what are you up for at the Shorties? Now, this is a different – this is a much bigger award. So I'm a little uh, – there's a little bit more on the table here, but it's YouTube Comedian of 2017. Well, Yes. And there are a lot of comedians on YouTube. So to even be nominated in the category, to be one of the top six, to be not – is an honor alone. Uh, but then now there's this pressure of uh, of losing. I've always been very competitive. But uh, there's some really great names in my category. Um well, yeah. our, I, I was going to ask, since I, I didn't look this up, my bad. I don't know. Um, yeah. Or sorry, I barely look up anything. I barely know anything about myself. <laughs> but how did they decide if you're a YouTube comedian? Well, Because I, so many yeah. people on YouTube are personalities right. that they might not necessarily be comedians. Like, I don't know if the Paul brothers are oh, the Paul brothers, comedians, uh, per se, uh, or they're just, well, let's, they're just um, things. Jesus, uh, I don't mean I don't mean to get sidetracked no, on people no, no, who no. aren't you. This is a very, very, very big thing because I never really put much thought into this. Um, no, I think uh, it all depends on what you're selling to your audience. Okay. At the end of the day, you're selling a product, and whether that's laughter, whether that's uh, you know people. I, I totally I used to think vloggers were shitheads, and now I and now I see them, and I totally understand. You know, young people across the country, especially living in these bumfuck. T- I don't know. I'm swearing a lot. I'm that's sorry. Fine. Okay, um, a lot of these people living in small towns across the country have no one to look up to. You know, that awkward teenage phase. And the only people they have to kind of uh, dictate their opinions and beliefs are are just, you know, 
a lot of just bland Generation Xers who never really understood social media. So when you have people like, you I'm know, sitting right here, I'm, you know, <laughs> I think you're a pretty cool guy. <laughs> I consider us on the same team. But uh, no, I, I think I think that uh, to have someone to look up to, you know, that's a vlogger. That's a, mm-hmm. a comedian. I don't know if necessarily people look up to me as much as they want a quick laugh. I like to be the kind of joint you pull out and smoke for a quick little funny high. Mm-hmm. You put back away all my stuff. It's not serial uh, as in as in a series, not the munchies but uh it's it's all it's 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 not they're standalone videos it's not consecutive so you don't right. you can tune into any of my videos and uh and and be able to laugh and i think that's a really so yeah youtube comedian is someone i think who sells comedy primarily through youtube uh at least i like to think that because i am a terrible stand-up comedian <laughs> <laughs> and yet you're on your first live tour well yeah it's not strange uh but but it's more of a it's not necessarily just stand-up i'm doing kind of a mic a, sort of a bouquet of lots of different things there's mm-hmm. singing and there's acting there's scenes that happen. Um, I bring in a lot of my characters. So I don't know what to call it. It was a, the task of taking what I'm known for on YouTube and making that into a live event. And I, that's, it's like, how do you turn, you know, apples to oranges? It's, it's crazy. But I think we kind of nailed it a little bit. I think ultimately people, you're just selling laughter ultimately you know, at the end of the day. Um, and, and we had one run already in Irvine and we're performing uh, here in uh, West Nyack on Sunday. And uh, the first performance went really well, and I'm kind of going into the second one really, really excited. I used to be very <laughs> nervous, and now I'm like, let's do it. Let's get it. And you have a couple under your belt. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you know, I was having just as much fun as the audience on our first show, and I, I've never done anything like this. So it was a very big, you know, I've always read my comments through a screen. I haven't, I don't say a joke and hear the laughter immediately. So mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of, it was weirdly rewarding to say something funny and then hear a room full of 400 people laugh. That was that was something I don't get on YouTube ever. Um, so yeah, I, I think this live uh, this live shit's really growing on me. Did you talk to any of your colleagues from YouTube who have previously done live shows to get I yes feedback I, about how to make that transition from kind of I, I I'm kind of prideful in the sense that I don't like my colleagues knowing how inexperienced I am. I never like lift up my skirt to my go, eh, how do I do? This? But I did go to uh, Colleen Bollinger show, who's mm-hmm. a, a, a Miranda, Miranda Sings. And uh, and uh, I saw her, we, we caught up at the, we, we do this show called YouTubers React. And I, I saw her at the studio and um, I just kind of showered her with compliments and ran out. I was really scared. But her show is really good. And mm-hmm. it's, it's honestly, I, when I look at shows like hers, my show's not, it's not similar to hers, but the laughter and the 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 audience engagement she was selling that humor so quickly it was so fast paced and that ultimately is what i kind of strive for is that sort of standard of just is the audience bored how do we keep them laughing versus you know are they laughing too much do we have to wait and pause and it, it timing for a live performance is so much different than than doing and and she did it very very well and so um yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really don't have very many YouTuber friends. I probably have as many as I can count on one hand. And oh, wow. I have a normal amount of fingers. So, yeah, five. I probably have about four or five people that I, I'm that I know personally from YouTube. And that's about it. I'm kind of in my own world. Is that on purpose? Or? No, no. I love everyone from YouTube. There's no one that I... There is no one that has given me any personal reason to dislike them. Um, uh, th- but but it, it's kind of your own – everyone's doing their own thing. You know, it's every, I'm doing my thing. Uh, John, I recently did a video with this guy named John Cozart, great YouTuber. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a brilliant, brilliant mind. And he's very uh, – a lot of his stuff is very G-rated. And I was surprised he would enter my universe of just filth and, and swearing and nudity and all this crappy stuff I put out on the internet. Um, <laughs> so it's nice working with other big names who – 
you would never expect to be in this in, to be in my videos. And so I kind of like that. It's like I'm tainting the other creators on the internet. But yeah, I really don't work with very many. I'm, this year, I'm trying to to branch out and collaborate more. Okay. But uh, yeah, they're they're really sweet people. Well, I feel like once you two built that space studio space in Los Angeles, that my friends who were YouTubers in New York moved to LA, and everybody sort of. It seems it's not like that pe- great. People started to like click together, though. Yeah, the, the community I love. I gotta tell you, the YouTube space is shit. I hate that space. I I, I really do. I really hate that. It's not good for creators, and it's not. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm. This is. I don't know if they're a sponsor or anything. I don't no. know if I'm allowed to say. But no, we're but, sponsored by Vimeo. Vimeo. Yeah. Fuck YouTube. <laughs> Daily Motion. <laughs> Daily Motion. No, they're great. I love Daily Motion. They take because the, they're French. Well, I did a show called Magic Fun. I need to tell you about Daily Motion for a second. People have. Uh, Wrongfully, and I say the word wrongfully, not in agreeance, mm-hmm. but they technically wrongfully uploaded a series I did to Daily Motion. Um, it's a series that I don't own the rights to. Okay. And the network that it was on has uh, it was a show called Magic Fun House. Mm-hmm. And the network, that's what you won the streamy. That's what I won the streamy for. And and so the network uh, went uh, full screen. They, they're they're. Um, their platform went under, and so uh, oh, right. the, the show is kind of nowhere. The show is nowhere to be found. Uh, season one is on iTunes, but I, I just—if anyone's listening to this, yeah, Daily Motion—it's—it's it's up there. I put a lot of work into that show, and it's owned by a company that's not releasing it. That's not—it was I, two seasons of a show too, oh, wow. a half-hour comedy. Put so much work into that, and it's nowhere to be found. So, Daily Motion. I don't know if season two's on there. I think most of season one. So, everyone who's out there, just go watch it on there. It might not be the best quality. If you can find it on Put Locker, find it anywhere. I'm gonna <laughs> blast it. No, fuck the people who are holding this my show ransom. Fuck them. And um, and uh, I, God, I'm like really burning a lot of bridges on this thing, aren't I? That's that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, um, anyways, yeah. So so I really hope that. And I'm in I'm in talks with them about getting the show out there. I mean, if it has to be on iTunes, people have to pay for it. That's not my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. I don't think I even make anything off that. But uh, but I just want people to see it. So, yeah. And then I just did another web series called Stuff and Sam that ran for 20 episodes. And now I'm doing the live show. So Who was that for? Stuff so. and Sam was for me. Okay. Well, technically, uh, it was a Facebook series. Uh, Facebook was really cool about it. They were really – they were like, you know, put make it on our platform. Mm-hmm. And then after you're done with the show, it, you have – you know, total. There's no exclusivity to it. So unlike Magic Funhouse, they were cool about it. They were like, "Okay, it's on Facebook now. You can take it and run with it." So it really, and plus they didn't have um, Magic Funhouse. They they really it was a weird middle ground between uh, Hollywood, like industry standards and and you know permits and things you have to go through industry wise. But it's also a web series, so it's like we kind of had the freedom to get away with you know stuff that we couldn't do on NBC or CBS. But then. We still had to abide by the ridiculous rules. Like I wanted to fit – there was a scene, for instance, in the pilot that takes place in a liquor store. I couldn't fucking go into the liquor store because we need a permit for that shit. Whereas with my videos, fuck the permit. I'm going to go in that liquor store. Right. And if they don't like it, well, then fuck them. I'm going to shoot my bit. They ask us to leave. We leave. That's it. But you no. still have 30 seconds 30 that you filmed. Th- yes, exactly. In between going in and getting exactly. kicked out. And this big company, this huge company is like, oh, well, can't do mm, can't do that. Can't do – it's like, really? We can't go into a liquor store even if the owner – no, because legally – so Stuff and Sam was a 20-episode series where Facebook just was like – Make your show mm-hmm. and total creative autonomy. They kind of gave a little. I think after the first episode, they were like, "Can we tone down on specifically the feces and blood?" <laughs> they even had to whittle it down to specifically feces and blood. So I thought that was kind of uh, that. That was the most I think uh, I got a slap on the wrist. But that was, they were just and they were totally polite about it. They were like, "We love what you're doing." We I think I, the last time I saw you, which was the first time I saw you, was. Oh my gosh. In Montreal last summer. Yes, yes. Just for last. And I think your reel had plenty of feces and blood. 
you got to have it. Got to have you. We're, it's in our bodies. How can we be so offended by something that's in us besides bad psychology? Shit and blood is what, you know, you got to have them. You got to make them. You got to get rid of them. And uh, it's fun to depict it artistically, I think. I don't think any of my work's tasteless. I think all the feces you see in my videos is very, very creative and very skillfully uh, whittled in there. And plot driven. Very, well, yeah, let's not get too carried away. But yes, there is some plot there. Well, let's, let's turn back the clock. Yes, uh, yes. If I may. Yes. 12 years ago, mm-hmm. you were a teenager where? I'm a teenager in the little bum shit hole of uh, Livermore, California. Livermore. Uh, yes. If anyone's listening to this from Livermore, uh, please get out now. Um, it's a, you will rot. Um, it's a, it is a, it's a, it was a nice, t- it's basically Springfield from The Simpsons. The most generic town. There's the most generic people. You have your, you know, your famous, you know, the grocery store everyone goes to. There's the bar that everyone goes to. It wasn't too small, wasn't too big, but it was a great town to get a sense of the ordinary. And my videos are all a mockery of the ordinary. So the people I make fun of in my videos are like the clerk we all know, the mailman we all know, the school administrator who's a shithead, you know. And I grew up among very ordinary people. I didn't grow up in an urban area. I didn't grow up in a very, very small town. It was like I got a good sense of what to make fun of. And then as soon as I left Livermore, I just started doing YouTube videos in L.A. mimicking the small town kind of life of Livermore, trying to mimic, make fun of that. And that's ultimately what took me off. I did 10 years of videos in Livermore trying to do web series, trying to do animations, trying to figure out what was going to make me big. 10 years. Didn't, nothing happened. And then I finally um, started doing character videos. Videos like a day in the life, documentary, day in the mm-hmm. life of grandpa, day in the life of mom, or mailman, whatever. And, um, and that really took off. And then the Fine Brothers, uh, at the time, I believe they had 13, 14 million subs, something like that. They saw it and they did a whole video about me saying, like, this guy, you need to check him out. And then I woke up the next morning with 27,000 new followers. After 10 years of trying, waking up one morning to 27,000 new people following you is, um, like, like I got teary-eyed. Like, it was almost like a religious moment for me. <laughs> well, let's go back to year one, though. Yeah. How did you decide to start making the videos? Were you already making videos yes. pre-YouTube? Or? So this is a – you're actually the first person ever to ask me this. And I, it's my favorite – it's it's – when I did, uh, you, when I when I was in high school, so, so YouTube came out. I think it started two thousand five, two thousand six. At the yeah. time, I was roughly a senior in high school, and uh, and um, videos were a big thing to me back then. We had to record on tape, and YouTube, you know, in my junior year, it wasn't around. So I did this this a club in high school where every Friday. Uh, me and my friends would meet in a classroom at lunch. That we, mm-hmm. The teacher would re- let us use the classroom. And we would show, we'd screen little home movies, little sketches we did on the TV, on the VHS. It was very, very janky. And back then, if you did a, if you did a bad take, you had to rewind and do it. There's no editing <laughs> back then. There's, and if there was, it was very, it was like iMovie version negative one. Like it was very. <laughs> Go back and record over it. Right, exactly. So, so we did this club and, and as the, as the months went on that year, I remember the club got really full and more and more people came to attend this club because it was fun. Even if you weren't making. Did you have a name for the club? Um, it was the Gamers Club because that's the club I took over. Uh, it was. It was like the Gamers Club is the only club that welcomes me. That not the make, AV Club. Not the AV. Oh yeah, fuck them. But no, uh, no. The, the AV Club. The AV Club was kind of pretentious. They were kind of. Uh, it was more like film snob club. Okay. And and I figured the gamers. They were fun people. They just there to have fun, and they didn't really have a lot of like the Gamers Club were people like me who were nerds. Didn't have a big uh, click to, to fall mm-hmm. into at school. So you come to this classroom, and and then once I went in there, I said, guys, I think I just kind of took it. I just started making sketches and putting them on TV and. Eventually, people stopped playing the games and started watching the, the thing. 
thing. And then we got more and more people to come. And it became like a almost like the SNL of our school because there would be a new sketch every week that we would do. And, oh, you should hear the laughter in that room. It was like we couldn't hear half the video because everyone was laughing. And then YouTube came out. And was but so when you're making those videos, you talk about it being like the SNL of the school. Was that your ambition? Was no? I'm, I'm making these videos. Um, I will get on SNL. I shouldn't say this so terribly in New York, but screw SNL. Mad TV was really where it was at back then. Okay. And in my opinion, Mad TV uh, is the. It, I, I, it was very underrated. I feel like their cast overall was stronger. I felt like their sketches were riskier. We see that with Key and Peele and Key and Peele. Well, they came from Mad TV. Right. Yeah, and and uh, Key and and uh, st- there was just Mad like TV. Baron Holtz has been in a bunch I, of stuff. Baron Holtz. Yes, I just went to the premiere of Blockers and uh, I saw him there. I was kind of a. It, it's cool when you see a hero of yours from back in the day mm-hmm. and you're like you and you you know the, the, the fandom never really dies you never really <laughs> are not a fan of someone anymore you can forget about them right. but when you see them you're instantly like you're still a fan right. and i'm still very much a fan of everyone from mad tv and and um i'm glad yeah, i'm happy to see them pop up in different things like that but uh no so, so yeah I, I i we did the the video club youtube came out mm-hmm. and i said wow, this can extend beyond the club. Like, I could be sharing this with family members in Canada. I could be sharing these sketches with... So I started doing that, and I really wanted... You know, acting was something I really wanted to go into, but when YouTube came around, it's like... This is the way I saw it. The only parts I was ever going to land going to auditions were, like, independent films that would screen at a festival of, let's say, 400 seats, okay? Let's do the math here. 400 on the internet is... That's a cum shot. That's nothing. 400? I could get 400 views at the time in, like, like a week. And so why would I go through an audition process just to have a packed house of 400 at most watch me at a screening for, you know, the Bay Area? They, they, They take... They take film too seriously and yet not seriously at all. They, 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 it's, it's an island of art, the Bay Area, you know, San Francisco. They, they, a lot of the art never leaves the Bay Area and a lot of art isn't absorbed into the Bay Area. They're kind of snobs and yet they don't produce a lot of stuff that's known globally. They're, they're just sort of, it's a cesspool of art that just kind of lives and dies only there under that bubble. And I didn't want to be that. I wanted so, like, I had a lot of friends who were into short films and it would only screen once in the city and that was, and they were happy with that. Or it would get an award at a festival. And that was it. It's like, no, 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 no. Your art is your child. Let it grow up and live and meet lots of people. And so YouTube was kind of a shortcut around all that garbage. I just figured YouTube, I can make whatever I want. I don't have to have anyone tell me if I was good enough for the role. And I wasn't really. Back then, I was a terrible actor. I mean, looking at my old, most of my old videos I've taken down because they're they're just shit. They're terrible. And uh, I just, it was an easier route to get people to see me without having to go through the audition bullshit, get headshots. And, you know, people still ask to have headshots printed these days. Mm. Yeah, I tell you, this, this generation, not you and not you're on, you and I are on the same team, <laughs> yeah. but that generation, that mindset of that generation, God. Man, but, but you're saying it, it didn't happen quickly at all for you. It didn't. It didn't. So, so what are you, how are you still making videos in year nine <laughs> okay, living so, in and you're still living in Livermore. Uh, yeah, well, I moved to LA shortly before I got big. Um, so yeah, so what are you doing right before that? I was How working at a law firm. I was working at a law firm, and it was terrible. It was a terrible job in in San Francisco or in uh, in LA. It was in my LA. LA. I moved to LA. I started working at a law firm, mm-hmm. and uh, it was it was a really bad. job. I mean, it was a nice. It was okay paying. It wasn't. It wasn't. I wasn't working at McDonald's or something. Mm-hmm. It was slightly above that. Did they know you were making YouTube videos? Uh, at the not law at firm? first. And then the head of the firm, the guy who owned the, the company, uh, Scott, he he um, saw my my channel. I don't know how he found it, but he mm-hmm. found it somehow. And he brought me into his office and he told me he was like, 
you know, before I became a lawyer, I wanted to be a comedy writer. And he's like, I see your stuff and uh, it's great. So then so then he started having me make his commercials for him. Oh. He really liked the way it looked and I needed a cameraman. And mm -hmm. so that's where I uh, met my cameraman today, Gabriel Gonzalez. He's been, he's filmed everything that is that anyone has seen in the last couple years of mine. And uh, he and I are, we everything I do, he's there with me. He's He's here in New York with me right now. We're doing the live tour together. And that... Uh, that was worth it. That working at that law firm, as terrible as that job was, I would have never found a boss who would let me continue doing it. And what, it, yeah, what year was that? This was a couple. Of years. So the big boom where I blew up was about two, two and a half years ago. So the so the law firm. This was all about maybe four years ago or so. Twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen ish. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the timeline's messy, even in my own head, but some, some fans have it down. There's like a Wikipedia out there that has everything. So anyways, um, long story short, I basically, I, I, I met him at the firm. Our videos, you know, the Fine Brothers blew us up. And uh, eventually, we had the very pleasurable but kind of sad talk with our boss. Because we ultimately, we loved our boss. He was one of the best bosses I've ever worked for. And we had to have the talk that everyone dreams of, the quitting talk, because you found something better. Everyone dreams of having that talk. And we got, but I never thought it'd be as sad as, I was hoping it would be with a boss I hated. But, but this was a supportive guy who he was supportive, and you know, it got you introduced with your camera guy. Oh yeah, and he's still every now and then he'll come visit us while we're shooting, and he'll just see how it's going. No, we, we're still very good friends with him, and it, we really wouldn't be here if we had a boss who wouldn't let us take because he let us take time off work to make these videos. He let, even let us film in his office to film like office settings. Did he pay on. you extra for the commercials too? Or no, we were on we were on like a salary type thing, but mm -hmm. but, but he did take away my the tasks I hated so I could okay. make commercials. Okay. So it became uh, same pay but it was became much more Were fun your commercials job. pretty standard or They were you? hilarious. There I think some of them are on YouTube. The, the firm is the Scott Warmoth and I think you could still find the commercials online. Scott I think Warmoth. he still has them on his on his thing. He he'll love me for plugging him. Yeah, he'll love me for doing that. But I think they're still on his page. And yeah, they were like just silly like did you get injured? And we showed like a funny injury and like, uh, or did your dog get ran over by a car? And so we run over this fake dog. It was really, oh yeah, I was, yeah. but uh, we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. And, and that's where I learned that this guy can film like Gabriel. I was like, this guy's a really good cameraman. Let's run off and do this together just for fun. And eventually, and here we are in New York doing it live. How many YouTube followers did you have pre Fine Brothers? So yeah, so, was at oh. so it was still quite a bit. I was at 50,000. Okay. So that, that's what kept me going was that I, it wasn't... I, it, How it, much money do you make when you have 50,000 subscribers? You make nothing. I didn't even log in to look how much I made. After a while, it was like, there's no point. There's no point. It's like, uh, you'd make from maybe uh, like 100 bucks a month, uh, give or take. Okay. It, it's not a lot. There's this myth that YouTubers are loaded. And while we are grossly overpaid, I don't think, I think that everyone kind of looks at Logan Paul or, or, or uh, PewDiePie. And that's the sort of what they're using as, oh, yes, YouTubers make this much. YouTuber, I mean, here I am at 4 million followers. And uh, it's like I have a pretty good reference of how much other YouTubers around my category must be making. And 4 million, we get a lot of views. And I can only imagine... No, so so to break that, anyone's listening. It's YouTubers are not. Uh, we are not all millionaires, but uh, albeit we are overpaid. <laughs> we are very overpaid, but it's not like you think. But um, you said when the Fine Brothers push, you got twenty seven thousand in a day. Yeah, and then did it keep? Yes. Ratcheting at that pace? or Well, 27,000 followers in a day, that's big numbers even for the biggest YouTuber. Even for the biggest YouTuber. That's, that's a sizable uh, amount, um, especially when they're not in a scandal. But uh, but no, it was it was a lot. And it didn't obviously stay at 27. That was like the big boom, right? But it, I, it averages about 
three to five thousand a day. And so yes. it's like, and that's that's been a, it's been a sometimes it's less, sometimes it's more, depending on how much your name is in the media or how much you're relevant at the time. Was the Fine Brothers video was that um, tied to that uh, Try Me Bitch? Yes, yes. Uh, it was called Teens React to Try Me Bitch, and. Um, that was yeah, that was the big boom. And then since then, they've done adults react to just Brandon Rogers. They've mm-hmm. done, they've had me on the show. They've, I mean, no, they didn't just like uh, they're not just the people I have to thank. They've like nurtured me throughout this whole process. I thought once I was big, they you know oh they don't want to work you know oh we got him this and screw him. But no, they've been so supportive. How of did me. you feel though about because part of that was about the fact that as a content creator, your content could be taken and used and. Rebranded. At first, I hated it because my characters became much more famous than me uh, before before the big boom. And that's mm-hmm. why the Fine Brothers made that video. <clears throat> People were taking clips of mine and putting them on Vine when that was still a thing. Right. And and uh, and. And everyone was quoting. You'd see it on fucking products that people would sell, uh, or 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 capture people's statuses or whatnot. Would be my quotes from my characters, and no one knew a that they were sometimes being acted. Some people thought those were real people that, that mm-hmm. and b that it was the same person. A lot of people didn't realize I was the same guy playing these characters, <laughs> but they know of the characters. So when the Fine Brothers saw that, they're like, "Oh, there are all these dots that aren't connected." Uh, we should probably tell everyone this is the same guy. And they did. And I felt, because it wasn't just Try Me Bitch that they reacted to. It was a few other videos that they threw in at the end of the video saying, mm-hmm. this is the same comedian. So uh, at first I hated having my work out there. And, but then after a while, you kind of realize it's free. Nowadays, when someone posts something to Instagram or, or something of mine to Facebook, whatever, I don't care as much because everyone in the comments most of them already know who I am. And so if anyone's like, oh, who's this? Right. Immediately, Brandon Rogers, Brandon Rogers, people will comment on Whether it. Whether it's Instagram or Twitter. Anything, okay. anything. It's like, it's like, it's, it's the name has become, our channel has become a household name among like the, the, the young people who love the sort of the weird and the macabre. People who were, were like this, the, you know, when the circus first started, all the freaks and everything, that was a very, you know, a taboo thing to do entertainment was a very sleazy thing. And I like to think that we bring the same kind of allure to people on the internet. You know, people want something weird and quick, something they don't have to commit to. Just watch a couple minutes of my shit, and you'll feel like a weird individual. Now it sounds but, like, so it sounds like you um, over the last five years, a lot of people tr- have, tr- have tried, and some have succeeded in using YouTube as a springboard to television. Oh yes, yes. Well, now, but that that didn't seem like that was your strategy at all here's the thing if you compare how many views i get in a week versus how many views a primetime show gets in on its own mm-hmm. i'm you know it's it's not it's not totally ludicrous to think that a i'd rather be i mean i'd rather be more well known for how i want i get to create my own image on, mm-hmm. on youtube on a show that i was cast in i would don't get it someone else writes my lines someone else dresses me no i want to write my own dialogue i want to dress myself and i want to play the part that i want to play and if i get slightly less views than you know a television show could get you know it's like and, and nowadays you know in the industry the scary thing is that you see people starting to the, the stream is switching directions it used to be people would use youtube as a springboard to get onto television and film and now i'm seeing a lot of big television and film actors trying to get onto the other side of it hmm. it's like the grass is turning greener and greener on my side to be a creator and you know uh, yeah, YouTube is becoming a very not just YouTube, but any you know Netflix and Hulu. The whole social, the whole digital media world is starting sort of starting to engulf what we consider traditional film and television. And so, I don't know if I want to necessarily use it as a springboard to get myself entirely over the fence. But I think, I mean, 
but then again, being comfortable is uh, is the enemy of progress. And so, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of uh, straddling the fence. I definitely want to get on film and TV. That's just a sheer bucket list item for someone who grew up in the 90s. Of course you want to be on film and television. That is, even if YouTube is becoming higher and higher regarded, film and television, there's a prestige to it that YouTube, in my opinion, will never quite hold on, you know, never quite obtain. When you got invited to Montreal mm-hmm. in 2017 yes. for Just for Laughs, for this special creator's showcase. Yeah. Did you know anything about Just for Laughs, or did it mean any? What did it mean to you to be? Yeah, to go to that. Did it, well, I, I, I'm, I really live. I'm a hermit, and I really mm-hmm. don't know too much about anything. You know, anything. <laughs> but so I haven't really heard of. I've heard of Just for Laughs. I didn't realize the magnitude of the event, and I got there, and it was a a festival under no other uh, qualification other than comedy. And that I liked. I love that it was a festival strictly about comedy. It wasn't. It wasn't a propaganda. No was trying. It wasn't an exclusive group of people. You didn't feel. It's just if you can laugh, this is the festival for you. And I was very honored to be a part of it. I, when I got there, I suddenly realized just how important this festival is because we're living in a world right now where comedy is very disregarded, or, or at least it's very needed and kind of uh, we don't have enough of it out there right now. But just for laughs was a great place. I was in an elevator and I was hearing strangers didn't even know each other kind of bonding over an act they saw and i was like it's like it's like uh football you know mm-hmm. you get all that you get white white right wing left wing people in a bar black white whoever and everyone bonds over the team right or, or whatever it's like comedy you know the, everyone we all no matter where we're from we can all connect over what's funny it's an instinct not an opinion right and so um i think yeah just for laughs was was a lot there was a lot of jim carrey or he performed there and a dave attell lit my cigarette he's a hero of mine that was very fun for me and yeah the showcase was great i almost felt like i didn't belong there because i i i felt like these are people who have been in the game for so long here i am i just broke out and, mm-hmm. and uh i felt like i was really you put in the That's, 10 years before you broke uh, out i guess but i guess it was uh, yeah I, I don't know i also it was weird there is technically i was a youtuber right but comedy comes first for me i was only a youtuber because that was the platform that was easiest for me to get on um but it, and i go to so many of these conventions with other youtubers and influencers i hate the word influencer <laughs> but really that's what and it was right. the first time i had gone to a festival where i wasn't around people i didn't feel like i belong around uh when i go to vidcon and stuff like a little bit it's kind of like i don't really belong here like this isn't i'm not an influencer i'm a comedian mm-hmm. so just for laughs was a great way to yeah were you able to uh network anything out of Yes. Yeah, I actually made a lot of really good connections at that festival. Uh, people I still, whether personal or, or uh, professional, no, I'm still uh, doing interviews or, or collaborations mm-hmm. with people that I've met at that festival. I'm very, very thankful I went. <laughs> so we talked in the beginning about uh, some of the awards you've won or been nominated for. Oh, yes. I think um, what, what kind of recognition would mean the most to you? Uh, something... Uh, Something that would mean something to my parents or that category, people who aren't really into the social media, like an Oscar, an Emmy, something that, you know, because right now I'm in a category where the highest level of achievement I could reach for Mm -hmm. is a streaming. That's the highest thing that I can possibly reach for. I can't win an Emmy for anything. I can't win an Oscar for anything. No, no, no. Uh, A streaming. 
That's it. So, you, what kind of award? So that didn't that didn't move the needle for your parents. Uh, oh God, no! I don't even think they know fully what the internet is. I, I think they still think it's AIM, but uh, <laughs> and AIM is dead. Right, right, right. Uh, I'm gonna bring it back. That was fun. AIM was a, yeah. kind of a. I enjoyed it. Oh, it was a great way to flirt. Great way to keep in touch with your family. Now they got all this Facebook things and mm. all this MySpace now. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, no. I, what was the question? What did I? My parents stream. Yes, they they didn't really know what it was, and I think a lot, even young people a lot of young people are like oh streaming that's great so what's that right and it's like mm, i don't want to win something that i have to explain what it is you so, know I, uh. so to be able to win something that your parents would be proud of and just something that i knew of what it was before five years ago i would like to win an award that it, that has uh that that people generations past have won okay you know i don't i don't like everything i've achieved and don't get me wrong i'm thankful for everything because i never thought i would even be able to make a living off of my shit shitty uh whatever i make but but everything i've achieved has been a kind of a new thing like right, every, new every media, network new. i've been on is a new network it, it's all it's new. not mainstream nothing's mainstream and you know for someone who does what i do it's hard to get that mainstream appreciation because it's still i mean sasha baron cohen's barely mainstream you know it's like it's like and he's huge so i don't know i think the more the 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 further we go right in this time period i think that kind of strange comedy is becoming more and more loved um Mm -hmm. i think i don't know i hope but i hope that there's more of a market for it as the years continue because right now it's hard to break out as someone who does right. weird comedy. So so what would you tell a 16-year-old today in 2018? Yes. What would I tell them? Who's in, t- who's in Livermore or or a town like Livermore? Oh gosh, you know, it's it, there's more junior to it. There's that, more. that's junior in high school who who's yeah, desperate for something bigger. Well, and this goes to anyone even not in Livermore. If you're living right. in a small town, it's like there's something that comes with small towns. It, it, the whole big fish in a small t- pond really does. Because in Livermore, I really felt comfortable. I thought, why do I need to leave? I have the internet. I can still do YouTube. I have my friends. I have my job. I have everything I need right here. And I think that's how most people in small towns feel. And that's fine. But again, you know, being comfortable is, you know, oil and water with success. Or progression, at least. Progress, progression. Uh, whether progression is good or bad, I guess. So that's, that's ultimately up to fate or, or your efforts to decide. But you're not going to go anywhere, up or down, if you're comfortable. And so uh, and that, I think that's why a lot of people in, in Livermore just never left. And again, sorry to everyone back home, but you didn't. You're still there. And um, and uh, even if I wasn't successful, I think that the last three years of me living in uh, – those, those those three years of living in L.A., two or three when, before I blew up, you know, I was broke through a lot of it. But I'll tell you what. I lived more in those three years than I did an entire lifetime in Livermore. Hmm. Broke and depressing. I still lived more in the big city than I did my whole life in Livermore. I learned more things. I met so many different odd kinds of people I would have never met in Livermore because they're all kind of the same out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was the best decision I, decision I ever made in my life. 2 a.m., packed up my bags, just drove to L.A., and that was it. <laughs> like, what was what was more important to you then? Pers- the, just the act of pursuing the dream or being in a big city? Oh, the dream. I could mm-hmm. give two shits. Because the city, uh, th- that didn't mean a lot to me when I moved. It does now. The, living in a city, I think, is something everyone should do at least once in their life. A big city. Um, it, it shows you other mindsets of people, other ways of life, other other foods and uh, clothes and everything. You just get, it's, it's, a, it's an intersection of the world, LA, New York. Living in a big city like this, it's an intersection from so many different cultures. And when you're living in bumfuck shitville, 
you're not getting you're only getting one road you're only getting one street no intersection and uh so so ultimately i moved out here to pursue the dream mm-hmm. that was number one that was the most important thing i moved to a volcano if that's where you know the media was but ultimately i think the Bigger, the greater gift I got was was learning that that the world is so much more complicated and wonderful and mysterious than it ever was in Livermore. So, yeah, yeah, I'm very thankful. I'm glad everything worked out the way it it did. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brandon, thank you for sitting thank down with you. me, and thank I uh, I look forward to seeing uh, the Brandon Rogers movie. Oh, we'll see how. Yeah, you might want to do a lot of drugs before you see that because it's going to be terrible. Whenever that comes out, it's going to be shit. Oh, but. <laughs> well. <laughs> Maybe well, there's an Academy Award for that. Maybe you know. Would, I hope would, so. would a Razzie? A Razzie? Would a Razzie count? Ooh, I like the way that sounds. I got a Razzie last <laughs> last year. I'm hoping for another those Razzie have, this year. Those have been around more than five years. Yeah, I Razzies. love I love the way it sounds. Brandon's Razzie. <laughs> Razzie for best Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Brandon. Thank Appreciate you very much. Thank you. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks first.